Raise your hand if you have one. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 2, the gospel of Luke chapter 2. We're taking a two-week break from our series on the Holy Spirit, and we're actually going to be finishing our series on the Holy Spirit the last Sunday of this month, and we're going to go into something new uh, in January, the last Sunday of this month. We're closing that series, but today we're going to focus on Advent. Advent is um, really what the church celebrates every year, and we're focusing on making room for the God who comes, making room for the God who comes. Luke chapter 2, when you get there, hold on to your place. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's invite uh, the Spirit to speak to us as we enter into this passage today. Lord, thank you for Kits, and thank you for Matthew. Lord, thank you for the stories of redemption, the stories of forgiveness, the stories of you renewing us in the person of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us now through this passage. May you open our eyes, may you open our ears, may you give us a heart to receive every good gift you have. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Uh, In the 1940s, business leaders wanted to ensure that there was a high level of integrity with their employees, and so they created something called mystery shoppers, mystery shoppers. This didn't happen in the 1990s. It started in the 1940s. And all of us have probably heard of mystery shoppers. Uh, Mystery shoppers look like regular shoppers, but their task is very simple. They are there to evaluate how employees work when the boss is not around. And the goal of mystery shoppers is to show up without being discovered as such. So the task of employees is to work in such a way with such a level of consistency because at any moment, a mystery shopper could show up. Now, what if I told you that this past week, God has been showing up in your life? But unlike the mystery shopper, God has come to be discovered by you. The question is, have we been alert to this reality? Have we been alert to the ways that God has been coming to us or do we miss it? Now, one of the amazing truths about Christianity is that God likes to show up in his life and our lives. And and this is what we teach about God, that God is not just the transcendent one who stands over creation. God is also the imminent one, the one who shows up in our lives. And make no mistake about it, God has been showing up in your life, not just this past week, but all throughout your, your entire life. Now, the language of God coming, God coming, is, 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 or Jesus coming, has traditionally been reduced to two things, to the first advent and the second advent. We celebrate advent in this season. When we celebrate the first advent, we talk about Jesus' coming, his incarnation, the way that God took on flesh in the person of Jesus. We call it the incarnation. We celebrate it as advent. That's the first coming. The second coming is, is, is of Jesus is a day where we focus on the time that Jesus will come back and make all things new. But I want to propose that there is another coming as well. And I get this from the scriptures, and I also get it from one of the great theologians of the church, a man by the name of Bernard of Clairvaux. And in one of his uh, th- uh, sermons during the medieval period, Bernard uh, preached about the three comings of Jesus. And before you call Bernard a heretic and then call me a heretic as well, uh, allow him to share these words through a sermon he wrote hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And this is what he said. He He said, we know that there are three comings of the Lord. The third lies between the other two. It is invisible while the other two are visible. 
In the first coming, he was seen on earth, dwelling among men. In the final coming, all flesh will see the salvation of our God, and they will look on him whom they pierced. The intermediate coming is a hidden one. In it, only the elect see the Lord with their own selves and are saved. And so this is part of a sermon. And then Bernard, anticipating that people will dispute what he just said, then says these words. In case someone should think that what we say about this middle coming is sheer invention, listen to what our Lord himself says. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And listen, and we will come to him. What Bernard is saying is powerful and yet very simple. And this is what he's saying. Christ has come. Christ comes. And Christ will come again. These are the three comings of Jesus. Christ has come. Christ comes. And Christ will come again. Now listen, we celebrate his first coming. We anticipate his final coming. But all too often, we miss out on the ways he presently comes to us. In our passage this morning, we see people that miss the coming of Jesus. And we see that this is a theme throughout the church's life, throughout the world's life for thousands of years. We miss how Christ comes, but it doesn't have to be this way. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, hear the word of the Lord. Luke writes, now in those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while uh, Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. As she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger. And then here's the famous Christmas verse. Laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In our passage, we have a very, very familiar Christmas story of Mary and Joseph. Uh, Mary is the mother of Jesus, and, and Joseph is her fiancé, as it were, who's caught in a very challenging situation. The Bible says that there was a census in the land, which basically meant that every person had to go to the neighborhood of their ancestors. Think of it as going back to the neighborhood that you grew up in. And the purpose of the census that Luke describes is to make sure, first of all, that everyone is appropriately taxed. So go back to your hometown so we make sure that everyone is appropriately taxed. And the other reason why they get, uh, had to take a census is that to remind them who's in charge. And the person or the group that was in charge was the Roman Empire. And so this census comes up, but Mary is pregnant, pregnant with the Son of God. And not only is she pregnant, she is late in her pregnancy. And not only is she late in her pregnancy, there is no zip car to get her to Bethlehem. The journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem is about a week-long journey. So get this, she's late in her pregnancy, and they have to just take up, whether by camel or whatever, they have to take a week-long journey to Bethlehem. And as they get to the town, she's close to giving birth. And Joseph probably has friends in his town. He's going back to the the neighborhood of his ancestors. But because so many people are traveling to this neighborhood, it doesn't look like they have a place to stay. 
And so they try to get into an inn. They try to get into an inn. And, and this inn for centuries has received a bad reputation. We don't know much about it. All we know is that this place did not make room for this family. Now, as a quick side note, it's important to note that this inn is not like Holiday Inn. This is not like Holiday Inn, okay? When we tend to think about the word inn, many of us tend to think of like a building with a lobby and multiple rooms and some generic soap, and we say, oh, that's the inn there. But that's not, when, they, when we say inn in the New Testament, we're not thinking about holiday inn. This is more like a, a, a one-star motel, okay, a one-star motel. But it was really, uh, the, the word there where it says inn is not for a commercial use like this. It was more like a guest house or a house with a guest room rather. And so when it says there's no place in the inn, basically there's no room in the guest room in these small homes there. But regardless of, of what the place looks like, the inn serves as a metaphor for the spiritual life because our lives tend to look like this inn. And one of the more famous verses of Christmas and in the Bible, Luke 2.7 says these words again. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. The words I want to focus on today is no room. Do you have room in your life? No room. The son of God came into the neighborhood, but there was no room for him and no one made room for him. There's a story I recently heard out of the historic Riverside Church in Manhattan that took place during their Christmas services one year. They put a Christmas play on, uh, on together based on this passage, based on this story. And when they got to the part where the innkeeper turns Mary and Joseph away, the person that was playing the role was a young boy with Down syndrome. His name was Tim. Tim's line was verse 7. There's no room in the end. That was his line. And he practiced the line over and over and over so he can just get it just right. And so the moment came. The Christmas service began. And there this little boy uh, is on the front, kind of like where I'm standing right now, and, and, and in the front of the church. And Mary and Joseph slowly made their way down the center aisle. And they approached the front of the church, and they knocked on the door, and they said their lines. And, and at that moment, Tim's parents, the director, the entire church begins to, like, pray for Tim. Lord, please help him remember the line. Please make him help him remember the line. And so as they're praying for him, uh, Tim says the line perfectly. There's no room in the inn. Said it perfectly. Everyone just takes a deep breath of just, he did it. And then Mary and Joseph begin to, to turn on cue to travel further. And then Tim suddenly, suddenly yells, wait! <laughs> this is not part of the script. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph look back at this boy who just said, wait. And Tim says these words. He says, there's no room in the inn, but you can stay at my house. You can stay at my house. <laughs> I just love that. I just love that. For this little boy, Tim, he made room for Jesus. The challenge for us is we have a hard time doing so. Now, when I say make room, I'm referring to opening your lives for Christ to enter and change us. 
And this is something that God wants to do over and over again. Every Advent season, when we celebrate Christ's birth, we also celebrate that Christ wants to be born in us afresh. And he wants to change our lives. Because the reality is, as we've said it multiple times, that we can be in Christ, but not have the life of Christ fully formed in us. And it is God's desire this Advent season to fully dwell in us and to fully change us. Now, most of us, when we hear those words, we want this. I say, God wants to dwell in you and change you. Most of us would say, yes, that's what I want. The problem that we have is not necessarily with desire. The problem that many of us have is margin. Our lives are filled in such a way that just like this inn, there's no room, no room for Christ to come in. There's an author named uh, Richard Swenson. Uh, He's a medical doctor who's also a Christian, and he wrote a book called Margin. And the premise of the book is very simple. Uh, He says, most of our problems come our way because we don't have enough margin in our lives, period. And margin, uh, very simply, is space to breathe, space to breathe. And if there's one thing that we long for in the Christmas season is margin. Our world knows very little of margin. Our world just goes fast. We pack everything in. We know very little of margin. And, And one of the greatest gifts, I know you're thinking about gifts and who to give gifts to, but one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself is very simply margin, space to breathe. Margin is getting on the subway, and there's a whole row of seats for you. You can breathe margin. No margin is when there is just this much space between you and the next person, and then someone wants to sit there still, okay? That's just no margin. Margin is waking up 30 minutes early so that you're not screaming at your kids in the morning to get them out of the house and to school. No margin is waking up five minutes late and going crazy because your daughter is not eating her waffles fast enough. This is a true story. This is my testimony. (laughs) Margin is doing your Christmas shopping by December 5th and then just breezing and breezing through the rest of it and breathing. No margin is shopping on Christmas Eve. Margin is having money in the bank at the end of every month. No margin is living paycheck to paycheck. We all want margin. That's the reality. But to create margin means that there must be a reassessment of our priorities, a reassessment of our values. And Advent, just like Lent, is an opportunity for us to prepare. During the Lenten season, we prepare. Many of us fast. Why? Because we are reminded that of Christ's death and Christ's resurrection, and our lives, our souls need to create space for that profound reality. Advent is the same thing. We create space because we are reminded that Christ has come into the world, and Christ wants to be born in the world afresh. And so we prepare for his coming. We make space in our lives. And the most important reason uh, why we need margin in our lives is because God comes to us. God visits us. God knocks on our doors. God longs to dwell in us. And when we have margin, space to breathe in our lives, we are better equipped to recognize God's coming. 
This is why Henry Nouwen, one of the great spiritual writers that we quote from time to time, has said in one of my favorite quotes, he said that 50% of our lives should be lived reflecting on the other 50% that is lived. And whether that percentage is real or not, the principle remains true that we need space in our lives to discern the ways that God has been coming to us. And the reality is over this past week, whether you know it or not, God has visited you. God has visited your job. God has visited your home. The question is, do we have eyes to see? Do we have margin in our lives to discern his coming? And so if margin is space to breathe, Christian margin is this, Christian margin. Spiritually formed margin is space to breathe for the purpose of recognizing how God comes. When there's margin in our lives, you have the ability to discern how God is coming. Now, make no mistake about it. God can reveal himself to us at any moment. God can stop us in our tracks in our busiest times. God can do all of that there. I have experienced that uh, in many different occasions. One that comes to mind is maybe five years ago where God just stopped and God revealed himself in a powerful way. I was walking outside with Red, walking out the front uh, door, and we had another pastor at the time named Drew here. Many of you know Drew, and uh, Red, Drew, and I, we were walking out to get lunch. And as I was walking out, uh, we see this man who perceived to be a homeless man. He's walking uh, up the stairs. And we greet him, we say hello to him, and at that moment, he starts shaking our hands. And he looks at Drew, who's Korean, and he says, are you Chinese? This is African-American. He says, are you Chinese? And Drew said, "Uh, no, I'm Korean. And he begins to greet Drew in like Korean language, just like some, just like, oh, this is a bit odd. You know, it's just, then he looks at Red, he says, are you Chinese? Red says, no, he says, you're Chinese. And he goes, no, I'm Filipino. And he does some cultural thing there. I'm going, man, this guy has some things right, and this guy has something's wrong. And he looks at, uh, they go, what's rich? What do you think rich is? They go, oh, he's Indian. He's Indian. And I said, yeah. And I said, no, I'm, I said, no, I'm Puerto Rican. And at that moment, he shakes my hand and Tammy, I don't know if Tammy's in the room. Tammy was walking up the stairs there, so she witnessed the whole thing. Uh, he shakes my hand. And this is about three years or so before I became lead pastor at New Life. And this man shakes my hand. I've never seen this man. He goes, wait a second. He starts squeezing my hand. So I'm just going, what's going on here? He goes, God's hand is on you. He says, you're anointed. He says, you're going to be a pastor in the next three years. And he starts squeezing my hand even tighter. And at this point, I'm just going, get off of me. (laughs) And he says, okay, see ya, you know, and... And walk down, and Red goes, that was awesome. That was awesome. And like Mary, I like pondered the words like in my own heart. Like that was, sometimes God will just come to you like that. Sometimes God will just reveal himself in power, and we want to be open for the ways that God comes to us. But this is what I want to say. Although God comes to us those ways, listen, the best environment and the best condition for revelation to discern how God comes to us is when we have margin in our lives when we have space in our lives. This means that that we adjust our work schedules when possible. Why? Because it is so important to recognize the ways that God comes to me. 
This is why we, we don't overload our schedules with this and this and this and this to do. No, we create room to breathe, space to breathe. Why? So that we can recognize all the ways that God is coming to us. This is why as a church, we talk about Sabbath all the time. Rich, you're talking about Sabbath again? Yes, because one of the biggest things we need is margin. And Sabbath is a 24-hour way for us to take a collective deep Exhale a breath, not just to rest from our work, but to discern the ways. God, how have you been coming to me over the past week? This is why we encourage you to keep Sabbath, because God is always coming and we're always missing it. And so we need space. We need margin to discern the ways that God is coming in our lives. Now, I want to go back to this innkeeper for a moment, because the Bible doesn't say how the story unfolded. We don't know if Mary and Joseph knocked on the door and no one answered and they realized this must be full. We don't know if there was a sign outside that said, no more guests welcome, we are full. We don't know. We don't, or what could have happened, let's use our imaginations for a moment, Mary and Joseph knocked on the door and the innkeeper was so overwhelmed and overextended that he opens the door and doesn't even have the time to ask them where they're from. And he just says, I'm sorry, we're full. But could you imagine if the innkeeper had a little bit of margin? Could you imagine? Let's use our imagination. Could you imagine if Mary and Joseph knocked on the door and he opened the door and says, what brings you here? And Mary would have responded, I got the son of God inside of me. <laughs> now, at that moment, if I'm the innkeeper, I'm saying, you could find another inn and I'm just going to close the door right there. But... But could you imagine if he had space to even inquire and say, what brings you here? And imagine they said, listen, funny thing happened. An angel revealed himself to me. I got pregnant, the Holy Spirit. And, and at that moment, maybe God could have revealed himself to the innkeeper. And the innkeeper could have said, wow, I had a vision of that happening. Come on in. Let's have the baby in here, you know. Get the cigars. You know? We could have done all that there. But the innkeeper had no margin. The innkeeper had no room. The innkeeper had no space. And when there's no space in our lives, we don't even have the room to ask how God might be coming to us. Now, I want to say that uh, uh, for all of us, there are intense moments in our lives that we all have. That uh, the reason why we don't have margin is not because it's our doing, it's because life happens to us. You have to care for aging parents. Life happens, and there's very little margin. You have to care for small children. Life happens, and, and your margin is almost like sucked out. You have a, a, a high-pressure uh, season at work, and there's very little margin. These things all happen to us at one point in our lives or another. The question is, are we aware of this, and are we intentionally trying to create whatever space we have, whether it's a five-minute creating space for margin, or whether it's rearranging our priorities and values and situations so that we can recognize how God is coming in our lives. So all of us, we need wisdom for this. But our lives, the reality is for many of us, our lives can be so filled and so much comes our way that we never take the time to ask how God might be coming to us through a specific situation. What might God be saying in our lives? And we, don't, we might not always understand what God is saying, but here is the sad reality of my life and the sad reality of your life. We rarely take the time to even ask the question. But imagine if we can regularly create space for the purpose of discerning how God might be coming. Imagine what God will say to us so that when disappointment comes your way, 
Something happened that you were not anticipating. Disappointment, a setback comes your way. And instead of you continuing to just try to live and, and try to ignore that disappointment, ignore that situation, ignore, ignore that broken relationship, imagine if we took the time to say, now, Lord, how might you be coming to me through this disappointment? Lord, what might you be saying to me through this broken relationship? Lord, what might you be saying to me through this setback in our lives? But the challenge is we don't have the margin. And so we don't even ask the question. And, we, and so we keep ourselves from getting, uh, you, know, uh, you know, buckets and buckets of God's revelation of what God wants to say to us. Lord, how are you coming to me through, I'm, I'm sick in my body. Lord, how might you, what might you be saying to me through my sickness? When anger comes, you ever got angry, sad, and you never take the time to even ask, where is this anger coming from? Where is this sadness coming from? No, we just, we're just angry and sad and we keep going. But what if we create space in our lives? What if we created a margin in our lives to say, Lord, can you show me why am I so angry? God likes to answer prayers like that. Why am I so sad? But there's no margin, so we can't even ask the question. The innkeeper had no margin, so God couldn't come in. But God is always coming. And Advent invites us to focus on this coming. And God comes to us in very ordinary ways, very ordinary ways. And actually, I would say that God usually comes to us in ordinary ways. Sometimes there's no mistaking God. Oh, God visited us. God visited me. Like the, the story I just showed you, there is no denying God did something there. But most of the time, God comes to us in very ordinary, everyday ways. And the question is, do we have the spiritual perception to recognize the ways that God is coming? Now, this past uh, week, uh, Red modeled this in a really wonderful way for us. And he sent an email to staff after he got hit with the flu. And I asked him if I could share this, and he said yes. And this is what he wrote the next day after our staff meeting. During our Wednesday staff meeting, we had a moment of confession and repentance, our staff with each other. And the next day, Red got hit with the flu. Uh, and, and this is what he said in the email to the staff. He said, it was interesting to me that after my confession and repentance during Wednesday's office or midday prayer, that I got whacked with the flu. At staff, I confessed living a pace that did not enhance but rather diminished God's presence and will in my life. As I walked around like a sick flu-ridden zombie in my home yesterday, I had an increased awareness of his presence and more communion with him. I couldn't help but ask, God, did you allow me to get sick because you wanted to hang out with me? And though I could be wrong in what God was speaking, I did two-way journaling this morning and felt like this is what God was speaking to me and I just wanted to share. So Red wrote out his words and then created space to hear, what might God be saying to me? And this is what he sensed God saying to him in this moment. He said, Red, I am the one who slowed you down. Upon your repentance, you allowed me greater access to your life. Repentance enthrones me. When you repent, you dethrone idols and you enthrone the true king. You enthrone him who is worthy to sit on the throne. And yesterday, you were much more aware of me and my presence. When you are sick, you cry for a healer. Workaholism is a sickness. I am your healer. What I love about Red's story and what Red modeled for us as a staff and now for us as a church 
is that because margin came, and listen, sometimes margin comes to us not because we choose it, but because uh, God chooses it for us or allows the way of our lives tends to just leave us sick or whatever. Sometimes it happens to us. But I love that even in his sickbed, Red could have just been bitter and what have you and not even asked a question, but he took the time to ask God, what might you be saying to me through this? And every day you and I get an opportunity to ask God what God might be saying. This one question, Lord, how are you coming to me? is one of the most important questions that I've learned at New Life in my time here over the years. And I, as a leader, I've, I've experienced this, that, that when I have uh, le- uh, leadership meetings uh, with staff and I start the meeting, typically I start with, all right, we have this to do and 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 that to do. All right, let's start it. And what I love, and Pete has really modeled this for our, for our staff and for our church, is that before we start talking about, I have to do this and this and this, we start asking this question, Lord, what might you be saying to us right now? How are you coming to us? That begins to shift the way that we plan our lives. It begins to shift the way that we make decisions. What if every day or, or once a week you ask the question, God, how might you be coming to me, Lord, and allow me to, to adjust my plans accordingly? Typically, we tell God, this is what I'm going to do. This is my to-do. This is what I have to do. And then we say, Lord, bless it. And God is saying, but what if, I, what if there are things I want to tell you even before you plan? That's the kind of posture that Advent invites us to. Advent invites us to, to, to recognize that God is always coming, that God is always speaking. The question is not whether God is speaking. The question is whether we are listening or not. And so this past year, whether you know it or not, God has come to you. Over the past 30 minutes, God has come to you. The question is, are we making room in our lives. And so I want to invite you this week to to do a little Advent exercise, that once a day for 10, 15 minutes or so, that you would take time out of your schedule to ask this simple question, Lord, how are you coming to me today? And you know what? You might not be able to perceive anything, but as you continue to create that posture in your life, continue to create margin in your life, sooner or later, God's going to say, this is exactly what I'm saying to you. This is exactly how I'm coming. And the invitation for us this Christmas season is for us not to be like the innkeeper. Actually, we are all the innkeeper in this room. All of us are the innkeeper. All of us, our lives are so filled, and yet the invitation for us today is to create space because God is coming. And one of the greatest gifts that we can give to ourselves and give to others around you is create space to breathe so we can recognize the ways that God is coming. I want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. Because I believe that over the past few moments, whether it's through Kit's baptism or Matthew's baptism, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward, whether through singing, whether through teaching, make no mistake about it, God has been speaking to our church today. God has been coming. The question is, are we creating margin within our lives to perceive it? So I want to give us about a minute or two. Actually, I want to give us just two minutes. Typically, we close with one minute of just silence. I want to give us two minutes. And I want you to look back at this past week. Look at the highs. Look at the lows. Look at the challenges. Look at the things that were bubbling up inside of you. And I want you to take the time, if you haven't done so, to say, Lord, 
What might you be saying to me this week? How are you coming to me this week? Christ has come. Christ comes. Christ will come again. We celebrate his first coming. We anticipate his final coming, but we often miss his present coming. So let's take two minutes to ask the question. And maybe you want to write something on your phone or take a note down to really just capture what you sense. And if you don't hear anything, that's okay as well. But we're creating space for the speaking God to lead us. Let's take two minutes and then we'll close in singing and worship. Lord, on this Advent season, this Christmas season, we celebrate the beautiful truth that you come, that you are present, that you are speaking. In our pain, you are speaking. In our joy, you are speaking. In the mountaintop experience of our lives, you are speaking. In the valleys of our lives, you then are speaking as well. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us uh, the energy. Give us everything we need to create margin, space, room, because you're coming. And Lord, we want to create that space for you to dwell in us and live through us. So we sing to you now words of worship, words of praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's all stand and sing together. We'll have our prayer team to my right, and there's a couple of... um, reasons why some of you might want to consider receiving prayer today. For some of you today, you're in this room, maybe someone invited you, and you're not a Christian. You never made a decision to say yes to Jesus. You never made a decision like the innkeeper to say, you know what? I'm going to create space for you to dwell in me. You've never done it, but you sense today that God is calling you by name. You sense today that God's love is available and free for you. And there's something you sense calling you. And we have a prayer team here that would love to pray with you. If you're sensing God calling you to himself to say yes to Jesus, at the end of our service, uh, you can just come right up here and we'd love to have someone pray for you and pray with you. The other group of people are those that maybe you are a follower of Jesus, 
but there's been no room for him. Your life has been so busy, so filled, running from one thing to the next, you haven't had room to breathe. And just like Lent is an opportunity for us to prepare and repent, Advent is an opportunity for us to prepare and repent as well and say, Lord, we've been going down this road and we've crowded you out. Lord, help us to repent, to create margin in our lives so that we can discern the ways that you are coming to us, so that we may commune with you. And for some of you today, uh, work has been pretty crazy. Home life has been crazy. And some things, they just are what they are. For some of us in this room, we have intentionally made decisions that have crowded God out. And today's an opportunity to say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Dwell in me, dwell through me, fill me with your love and power. And we'll have a prayer team here to pray with you and pray for you as well. So whatever needs you have, feel free to come up for prayer. But as we close, I want to invite you to open your hands uh, towards heaven to receive a blessing. And if you're new here, we close every gathering like this. This is a posture of receiving. We cannot give what we have not received. And so with your hands and your hearts in the posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he fill you with peace. I mean, you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, making margin, space, room in your life for Christ to dwell in you and change you. And may you experience a depth of his love, a depth of his power, a depth of his grace this Christmas season. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the loving name of Jesus and the people of God said, amen. amen. Grace and peace, everyone. <laughs>